It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. The Renault Capture comes with a five-star safety rating and is an ideal compact SUV with lots of space for the family. Pick up your 192 Capture at Blackstone Motors this August. See blackstonemotors.ie. Oh, you know, I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have. I know I shouldn't have. But I did. I went out last evening there. Downtown, the fla. What else do you do? I was in Moors till I won't tell you what time. Anyway, I'm here with you today. I'm here. I am definitely here for sure. What an evening we had. What a time this is by the banks of the Boyne. I have to say I was off this time last year for the flat. This year I'm working and I got out last night. I have to say the people, the numbers, the music, the crack. It's unbelievable. And you still have time to get here because it's running until Sunday, the flat in Drogheda. And I have to tell you that today on Late Lunch, the start of the show, I'm joined by, I would have to say, probably the most famous traditional music clan in County Meath. We've met them before on Late Lunch, but I, I, they haven't been here together. I, I, I'm nearly sure they'll correct me if I'm wrong on this one. Yes, I'm talking about the McGowans. Anton McGowan is here with me today and Bernadette McGowan. You're very welcome to the show. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you. Great to be here. It's great, great to, to have be here. you with us. I think I'm right, aren't I, Bernard? I did interview your dad. Were you here with him before? No. This is. I'm not too sure. No, I don't yeah. think so. I don't think you were. I don't think you were. So think of any excuse, and we'll come up and have a chat. Any time, any time, Jerry. Anyway, you heard me there. I'm here anyway. You're here anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's some. It's something else. Sure, a few late nights will do you no harm, Jerry. At all, not at all. Once in a while, I was out till after two as well yeah, so, yeah. which <laughs> was an early night for me at a flower <laughs> but you weren't partaking of the Ishkebaha no, I, I, I hadn't any Ishkebaha I must say that just the tea mm. and the coffee it's <laughs> <laughs> a little difference Ben oh it sure does yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm not wrong in what I'm saying we were just talking there before we came on it's electric at the minute isn't it ah well yeah yeah there's there's a great buzz around the town and there's there's big crowds in you know it's really big crowds from day one now you know uh, normally the crowds would gather as the week went on and uh, I remember a few years ago you'd get a, a good scatter of a crowd on a Wednesday evening and it'd be getting in better by Thursday but now it's from Sunday to Sunday right on yeah, yeah. Sunday to Sunday yeah it yeah. really is it's great yeah, to see it and it's, uh, it, it, it must please you you know you, you live nearby and you were saying to me this is one flower that you can 
have a sleep in your own bed and come in each day. And yeah, that's right. Well, it would be the first time I think that mm. we'd be actually going home at night <laughs> from the flat because always down the west we'd always have the caravan and yes, uh, we were always gone for the the weekend or the long weekend or the week or whatever it was. Yes, but uh, this would be the first time that we actually actually gone home. Well, last year, last year, yeah, last year, year was the first time we were actually going home at night. Yeah. You know, you, so. And you'll be able to do it again next year because Mullingar's not that Mullingar, the other yeah, direction. Well, it'll be an hour the other. We'll yeah, see. We'll, we'll see. see what happens. The thing about going home is that that uh, it's it's uh, oftentimes you don't gather yourself to actually come back in time the next day. So uh, if you stay here, you're here. That's that's <laughs> an advantage of it. <laughs> it certainly is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When was your first flower? What year? Uh, my first flower was Longford in 1958 as a young lad. I went with a few, uh, there was a van load uh, of us went over from Mullerhorn. You know the days, you remember the days, Jerry, when uh, there'd be a local man, he'd have a van and he'd have two forums in the back of it, down along the side and you put eight or nine or ten into it, facing each other yes. and, and off you went. There was no seat belts and there was no health or safety and there was no worries about them things. So we went off to Longford and uh, my next flower then would have been Mullingar in 1963 and I was actually um, still a young lad but I was actually teaching a young marching band in Mullerhorn at that time uh, 42 young children and I brought them to the FLA and we paraded in Mullingar uh, that was 63 and then exams came in and I missed a few years and I I got to Clonus I think 63, 64 and uh, 1970 uh, from 1970 on I've only missed one which is the year Bernadette was born and she was born a flower weekend a so. flower Colleen <laughs> oh well now <laughs> a flower Colleen I can't oh, believe it yeah, yeah. I got the bumps in Clonmel Letterkenny Ennis yeah you'd have a turnover you'd have a great party the whole well, town would turn around and the campsite would come out we'd be staying in the caravan when I was small <laughs> photographs of me with the cake and there could be anyone in the picture from well, anywhere yeah, we'd, 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 there'd, be, there'd be a 15 minute thing we'd all arrive at the ca- all congregate at the caravan and there'd be a cake and there'd be candles and there'd be blown out and there'd be a photograph and there'd taken. be a photograph and we might play a tune and we'd all back down the town again that's it that's it mark the occasion yeah, that's it so you made a missifla well, I d- yeah, I didn't yeah. realise. I didn't realise. Listen, you know. not your fault. They got the timing wrong. Well, no. I'm selfie Bernie. You know what I mean? Like, come on, that no, wasn't great. It was, it was worth it, you know. I'm here now. I'm Absolutely here now. Absolutely worth it, Bernadette. <laughs> That's here, it. Here's the thing I want to say to you. You have a unique distinction, and, and I wrote this down just to remind myself of it. Um, you won the senior flower title twice in the one year. Explain yeah, that. Explain that. 1971. Uh, which was the year the troubles really broke out in Northern Ireland, or they, they got bigger in Northern Ireland, but the flower was cancelled in 1971. And then it was held in Dublin, in conjunction with the flower Nua, it was held in Dublin in June 1972. Uh, so that was the 1971 flower held in June 1972, where I won the fiddle competition. And then the normal 72 flower took place in Listowel in August 72. So I was there again for that. <laughs> no one will ever, ever have that distinction, Antoine. In, That's right, in, yeah, yeah. In yeah. history. Now, you are a history maker, yeah. so you are. And, like, you must be so proud of him. Look at all he's done with the flower. <laughs> 
you know that he's been honoured. How many times has he been honoured as ah, yeah. well? Yeah, you'd be very proud. But it's it's also what he enjoys the most because after the first fifty or seventy things that are interesting stories, you know, there's there's numerous um, interesting stories, and they really had a great time in the sixties and seventies when all of this was building and developing. It was new, and they were all great friends, and they were good. Um, progressors it seems like they got together and they made some good decisions they weren't just sitting around having the banter and the crack now they they achieved something out of it so there's a lot of stories like that from the 60s and 70s for the music where it was a kind of an evolutionary time and we're we're seeing the rewards of it now in that the fla and all is is everything is running all around the country mm. and all around the world and all that but there's so many dad has so many stories but it's evident even now as his own life goes on you know and he's not at home rearing us or whatever that this is what they love and this is what they enjoy so um, you can get out of the house quicker now that you don't have to look after us and he's gone <laughs> and there's a bus goes over to Drada now and he was on a jest day because my mammy was going to be about another two hours he says well I'm gone on the bus now I'm going over to do such a thing and it's fiddle on his back the same way as he did when he was 16 out the door and gone over to Drogheda for a ramble. So, isn't this um, just the spirit of it, isn't it? That's the spirit and it's meeting your friends and playing the music. So even though the Fla has become a huge big machine now, it's a much bigger animal than it was in, in oh, Clonus yeah, yeah. and all those places. And that is a great thing for, it's a great thing for Ireland and society and the culture but really the music is a much smaller thing when you get one person and one person that play together. You want to be able to hear each other, hear the little nuances of the music and that's where it stems from and that part of the music some of it is around the town but that's what's going on in the classes all week Absolutely. up at the Bally McKenny mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I live right beside it yeah. and it's a it's hive a, of activity it's, a, it's beautiful yeah. to see all those little kids have come in from all over the country but the UK and America and Japan and all over the, the world and now from probably from even tonight but definitely from tomorrow the competitions and start and that's really serious game for people because they've they go to classes every week and you practice and they've travelled and you know it's nervous whether they're under 12 or, or uh, 15 to 18 it's going to change people's outlook on music mm. and their opportunity in life because if you do win something here there we are talking about dad in 1971 and 72 <laughs> it does kind of change your outlook and your opportunity within your music if you be- if you have qualified for the All-Ireland you're obviously of a standard and if you do win then you're an All-Ireland champion forever and it's a huge um, honour for the kids but they've put in the work now they've qualified there's huge qualifiers yeah. and everything yeah. so that's um, that's a bit of a run No, no, yeah. but, no, but yeah. th- that's so important to say because what I've been talking about and what I enjoyed last night is the periphery of the flat yeah. but yeah. it's lovely the musicians were coming in and out I was yeah. in Moors yeah. I was saying yeah. last yeah. night a pub that's just reopened for the week oh it's beautiful old style Anton and you just love yeah. it yeah. and the, the, yeah. the guard kept changing with different people coming and playing but coming you're right playing. it's about the competition it's about the music it's week in week out all over the world coming yeah. together for this and yeah. that is there would be no flower without that it, that's, it. Oh, this yeah, is well. our one festival like as as traditional Irish musicians this is our only festival where we all get together there are lots of other um, other festivals organised sorry I shouldn't say that there are lots of other festivals but for the kids learning all over the world that want to um, kind of progress and all this is the mm. one that they all we, the, it's the all Ireland flag it That's really it, is you know. now come on pick up that <laughs> pick up that instrument there we've, we've yapped for long enough long enough we, 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 we want to we want to get a flavour of this now what are you going to play uh, play a little jig called the Kilmo V Kilmo V jig ok right yeah. the Kilmo V jig here we go
Gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. Is there no end to the combination of notes and that that you can create? You know, talk yeah, to me about that, Anton. That's, that's uh, well, I often thought about that. You know, there's only eight notes in the scale or seven or maybe some musician will correct me now, but seven or eight notes in an octave. And that's it. They go lower or they go higher, but there's thousands of tunes in them, so there's no end to the combinations that you can get and the melodies that you can make out of those eight notes. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's like the the genre. Every yeah. genre only has the eight, or yeah. every genre only has the eight notes, and we all manage to make something out of them. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like the lottery. Yeah, <laughs> sure it's is. Much easier got than the lottery. <laughs> I'm absolutely sure it is. Uh, listen, you know what? I have to say about this week, the crack we've been having on late lunch with the flan, the people from yeah, the flan. I'll yeah. remember this for a long, long time. Great. Stay there. Don't go anywhere. We have more to chat about. Aren't they wonderful people? Anton McGowan and his daughter Bernadette. Nick Gowan are with us on late lunch. Don't forget if you want to comment today, 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. You can call in on 1850-715-958. Back in a minute. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Heatwaves. It's Fla Week on LMFM Radio's Late Lunch and I'm in the presence of royalty. Can I say royalty in the context of Irish music? Is that a bit funny, Anton? I'm not so sure that we fit the bill. <laughs> anyway, let's talk more. Tell me this while I have you back with me. Is the Mullahoran gig still going on? Yes, uh, still running. We still run the bus from Dublin every year and we had our 50th bus and 50th concert this year. Congratulations. And uh, it's run, of course, all that started with the Apostolic Workers at Home and it was part of that. But uh, just on account of the 50 years this year, uh, we we got a wee stone cut to to celebrate the 50 years of concerts in the hall. So that's been erected outside of the hall just to commemorate that. But I I kind of asked them to, could they calculate up how much was made? you know, over and the, sent and years. sent out uh, to the, the. It all started because of a couple of priests from Mullahorn that were working on mission fields and mm. nuns also, mm. and I think they were sent out uh, in actual money at the time over the fifty years around three hundred and twenty thousand, and that would be a lot more if you converted its values as it was at the Absolutely. time. Absolutely, like of that, there might be six thousand that was made in some year in the nineteen seventies, which is what would that be worth now? Yeah, what would that be worth now? Oh, yeah, yeah. Jeepers, it's over half yeah. a million more, yeah. you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Heading for the three quarters yeah. of a million. Yeah. And look at the value you get for that money where yeah. it's spent as well yeah. when it goes yeah. out there. Yeah. Congratulations. Well, it's been you. a great, they've been great concerts. Yes. It's a great development and it's, it's a really great concert of traditional music and it just survives. That's it, I don't know. Oh. And uh, there's no way of stopping it. That's, don't stop no it. There's no way of ending it. No, <laughs> let that train continue down the tracks. The other thing, of course, is the house in Ashbourne. Cayley House, if I can call it. In fact, that's the name of the programme on RT, if you're familiar. Yeah, yeah, that started yeah. in the year 2000 with the first broadcast in your home. Uh, yes, well, of course, the house dances had been going since about yes. the, the mid-70s that's sometimes. That's right, 76, but, was it? Uh, about 76 or 7 we'd have started. We moved there in 74. And... Uh, but then RTE started broadcasting in 95. That's right. And Peter Brown done the first. So this year was our 20... 
25th consecutive broadcast on RTE. On RTE, but this coming, this next January now will be Kieran Hanrahan's 25th. Ah, because he didn't do the first one; he done the second one yes. from the second one on. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. No, what I was saying is, Kayleigh House, they they went to you first, and they they're on the air. I think it's around 2000. Oh, they are, that. They are, you know what I mean? Oh no, they're are on they the air on B- since the 1950s. Are they? It's one. I think it's the longest running program on RTE. My God, how yes. did I get? Yes. Yeah. So, yes. what was the significance of the year 2000 that they went to you? What was that? The millennium well, that was year. Well, no, that was two, the millennium, and you wrote That was the millennium, and I wrote it. That I beg your pardon. We started That's a bonfire it. that year, and <laughs> I knew there was something <laughs> about it. Oh, I knew there was something about 2000 that yes, was special yes, around yes, the house. We, so we there celebrated you go. the millennium. Fantastic, fantastic for yourself, Bernadette. Last time was it? The last time you here? Maybe you were here since that. Here to play your uh, debut album. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. gone so well for you. Yeah, what, it was great. Was that last year? Uh, no, it was 2017. I know the years roll in. Well, Stop when you when you, put a, when you put a CD together, let's say, it takes about a year or a bit more than a year to get it from when you start thinking about it to record it, to get mm. it out. And then when you have it in your hand, you, you kind of spend a year going around with it. So I'd say from 2017 to 2018, I was going around with it. And yeah. Playing the tunes and you do bits of concerts and launches and events and anything, anywhere that'll let you be here to play. <laughs> Um, so I had a great time with it, and then you then you go home and sleep for a couple of weeks till you think till you think of the next thing to do, you know. So there's a couple of them still under the bed if anyone wants to buy them, and they're in the shops in there in Drogheda. It's a lovely, lovely album. I recommend it yeah. to you highly. Here to play by Bernadette McGowan. The other thing is me the Bio is oh, yeah. happening again. Happening again. Well, it's it's still in the same year. I think I was in with you here in the in the yep. er, earlier in, yep. the, in the spring, and we had a spring series of three concerts. They were just brilliant. It was it was great. It just started to roll and um, pick up with the crowd and everything the first one there's three different concerts around County Mead in the spring and now we're going to have three different concerts around County Mead in the autumn isn't that great yeah and it's just live music um, of our own artists the people that live around County Mead or are associated with the area and it's it's not a long night we'll start at 6 o'clock and they play for 40 minutes and then we'll have a little break and then the other person plays for 40 minutes and you can be home in your bed <laughs> in time for Glen Row at half eight <laughs> In time to so, be out at two o'clock somewhere else. <laughs> oh Lord, Lord! So the next one is starting. Uh, the next one will be up in Nobber, but there's one in Kentstown and there's one in Summerhill. But all information is at meadbo.com Anyway, yeah, check Start, it out. Starting there. back in September. Yeah, because you see, this rolls all year. This is the the, the big, you know, the focus. The other thing uh, to you, Anton, is this: you've been involved. I was just looking at so many in so many places in establishing. Uh, Coltus, uh, Balbriggan, Trim, Ashbourne, there, were, there are others as well, but you've had such a massive involvement. Yeah, well, I lived in Balbriggan, that was my first job. I actually, uh, when I finished school, I my first job, I joined the guards and I was posted to Balbriggan. Yes. And I met the, the Gavin family came to live uh, in Balbriggan at the same time, all musicians. So we formed a branch of Coltus there and they still have a branch of Coltus yeah. going in Balbriggan. So uh, that was there and then I came into the city and I got involved in branches there and I got involved in founding branches there. Wherever there was a need arose, if we didn't have a branch, we founded one. You know, that was the way, that was just the way it was. He, and, he's, uh, he's built trees. <laughs> that many branches. He is now this huge big tree with all the branches of it. But oh, you God. have, your stamp is on so many places as well. Talk about a man that, you said it earlier on, his love for it, in mm. every sense of the word. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Sense. Yeah, yeah, that's it. You kind yeah. of live through it and yeah. Yeah, it's, it's your life. It's, mm. it's uh, I suppose it's what you do and uh, you just keep doing it. And yeah. uh, if there's a need to do something, you just go and do it. That's it. What did you do besides the music? I worked in the Department of Agriculture. For how long? For, I, I did... Uh, 
Well, all told in public service, I'd done uh, just over 40 years, but I, I was 38 years, I think, in the Department of in Agriculture. My oh my, yeah. There yeah. you are. So yeah. we did have to come home some Sunday night. <laughs> <laughs> Just about. Yes, just about. I'm sure it was 2 a.m. <laughs> yeah, indeed. And he was indeed. on the bus at, at 8. Yeah. But here's the other thing day. about you. We were talking about Ishka Baha earlier on, because joke of all sorts. Uh, you, you've never taken a drink in your life? No, I've never taken a drink. It never interested me in the slightest. Uh, I just... Uh, people would say to me, you were great, you didn't drink with the music. And I said no, because I never. it never bothered me. I, I never had an interest and I knew people uh, who did drink and had problems with it and they some some of them got over their problems and they were great. But uh, to me, uh, it, it was no difficulty because it didn't interest me. I think when I grew up, when I grew up down in Mullahorn, we were all in the pioneers. The pioneers were very strong then and we were all in the pioneers and most of them eventually took a drink, you know, and I didn't. I just held on to... The, the pledge and held on to the pin and but the drink didn't interest me I, I was yes. more interested in the music yeah. you know and I can go into a pub and play away all night and I mightn't even have a seven up I'd never think unless there was a clear space at the bar I wouldn't waste time standing <laughs> waiting to get one to just go play <laughs> uh, Great admiration for you and, and, it is, and of course then you can get up in the morning there's not a bother in you and away you go and do your day's work and no everything yeah. that's going on Right. It, there's yeah. an awful lot to be said for yeah, it. There yeah, really yeah. is. Come yeah. on, get that. Yeah. Get those lovely, <laughs> lovely instruments up there okay. again for me oh, before right. we go. Yeah. I want to say again, Bernadette, thank you so much. Anton, I really appreciate you both thank coming you, here today uh, on this special week of the flag. It's, it's it's the same for us, Jerry. We we're thank thankful you. for you for having us in. Not it's, at all. It's great. You're any, so welcome and always so welcome. Time. Have a great flag for we the will, re- remainder, we'll, we'll and down, you're going to play out for me today. With we'll be down the street with a real Marty McMahon's, and we'll just play you out. <laughs> Lovely. Okay. If we need another one, we can play last night's fun. All right, okay, go on. It's fun. a great reel. It's a great reel, Jerry. You'd love it. Give her a rattle.
Garamila Mayagov. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. Jenny. And good luck again thank for the you, remainder Jenny. of the flat. Thank Thanks a million. Heading to news and weather at two. The late lunch with Blackstone Motors. Heat waves aren't guaranteed this summer, but at Blackstone Motors, we can always guarantee hot offers. Get an affordable 192 Dacia with low AP or zero deposit and a personalised finance package today at Blackstone Motors. Yeah, lovely message in there for Anton and Bernadette, who were just with us a moment ago. Jerry, I admire that man, Anton, and his music, and that he's a pioneer. I have great regard for pioneers, and uh, that he can get up in the morning and have a clear head. Thank you, indeed, for that nice comment there to us this afternoon. Now, here's a question for you. How does a first-generation Irish-American Vietnam veteran who transformed Times Square come to live in Drogheda and be part of a group seeking to have a business improvement district scheme established in his adopted home. I hope we're going to get the answers. I know we are in the next few minutes from John Shanahan. John, you're very welcome to the show. Jerry, thank you very much. It's a delight to be here and to be in the living rooms and in the kitchens and in the car radios and the shops of all the good people of Drogheda. Nobody's ever said that to me before. You've <laughs> made <true>. my day. <laughs> well, in our house, the, the radio's in the kitchen, and my, my dear Olive turns it on religiously to listen to LMFM and to your show. So there you go. Oh, thank you so much. But when you put it like that, it does, depending just drops with you, that it is available in, in so many places. Well, yeah. listen, it's great to have you with us this afternoon. You Look, at you don't have family connections to this place at all. How do you come to be here? Well, first of all... Um, it happened this way. Um, I was up, uh, I had been working in Washington, D.C. for the American government. And the government decided that it wanted me to build this very, very large and complex science and research facility in the middle of Pearl Harbor, where the attack on America took place actually just two weeks after I was born. So it resonated a good bit with me and was the place where I had served in the Navy a good bit as well in the, in the years during Vietnam. And so they said, we want you to go back, and we want you to build this great big science and research facility. Um, I said, fine, I can do that. And so we proceeded to get started. And so I wound up traveling back and forth between Washington, D.C. and, uh, and Honolulu, Hawaii. Just for your reference, it's 12 hours, in case you were curious. <laughs> it's a good spin. <laughs> And I was doing that every couple of weeks, and I said to uh, uh, the agency's uh, chief administrative officer, I was working for a wonderful science agency in the United States. It's called the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, or NOAA, uh, which brings you the weather and a lot of other things every day. Uh, and so I said, you know, look, I'd be happy to move out to Hawaii for the duration of this project if you like. And he said, no, we need you to stay here in Washington and talk to the budget types. And so I did that. And we, and so back and forth to, between Washington and Honolulu. Well, you can quickly figure out that doing this every couple of weeks, I've got a lot of frequent flyer miles and I don't need to see any more palm trees and sand. So, so the government insisted that I take some time off, and I would do that by coming to Ireland. I pulled out my other passport, the lovely red passport, and I would show up at uh, Dublin Airport, and they'd say, it's all you again. And I'd come in, and I'd mosey around Ireland, as we say in Texas, and uh, see friends and, and, so, and so on. And so on a very cold and wintry December day, I was up visiting with a, a very dear friend up in uh, uh, County Down who runs the St. Patrick's Center. It is a, appears it's just a wee, wee commercial. If you haven't been up there, put that on your bucket list. You've got to go do that. And so Tim said, well, you know, come, let's have some lunch. And we 
did, and lunch kind of dragged on, and all of a sudden I realized it's getting late, and I've got to head down the road. My next stop was to be Dublin. But I got just as far as Drada, and it was a cold and windy and rainy day. So I said, fooey on Dublin, I'm going to stop here in some place called Drada. And so that was the beginning of all of the my sins here in Drogheda. I ran into a lovely woman on the evening uh, who ran a lovely B&B on the north side of Drogheda. She said, do you have uh, – I said, you have a room? She said, yes, I have a room. Um, I said, would you take one of these vouchers that my travel agent gave me? She said, not at all. She said, but the man down the road does. So she sent me down the road. I came back the next morning to get some petrol at the at the station next door. And on a whim, I said, I'll pop in and just, I'll just have a chat with the woman, see, see what she's all about. So I rang the doorbell, and the, uh, the cleaning staff answered the door, and they said, she's not here, gone to do her errands. I said, would you have a card? And uh, they gave me a card. I took it back to Washington, pulled it, put it, picked it up off my desk and looked at it and said, what am I going to do with that? And I thought about it, so I decided to write her a letter, and I did that. And she was kind enough to answer a few weeks later. And then I followed up with a phone call, and then there was a trip. And before that year was over, there were nine trips to Ireland. And by the time we'd gotten about halfway through, she said, well, which side of the ocean do you want to be on? And I came up with what I think was the right answer, and here I am. (laughs) That is one of the most magical stories <laughs> I've heard. What a love story that is. Oh, it's a terrific story. I've been, I've been as happy as a pig in you-know-what ever since. <laughs> He's got the lingo for sure at this stage. But you said mosey a minute ago. That, you know, mosey round. You, right, you say, right. America, a mosey round here. Right. You have that. That's a very common word here, as you know, by this stage yeah. as well. And the lady's name is? Olive Murphy. Olive what a story this is. And, and, and many kind years... enough to put up with me. <laughs> How many years ago was that? It's been 11 years now. Wonderful, wonderful. Look, you're here that amount of time. And, and, and just to get to this point of, of, of the bids thing here sure. in, in, in Drogheda Town, you were involved in bids in, back in the States, a number of them, but particularly I did mention in the introduction, Times Square. Yes, uh, the, the bids initiative in, t- in the United States really is credit to my very dear friend, my late friend, Larry Houston. Larry and I had worked together when we were both young and beautiful a long time ago. And <laughs> Don't knock it. He's still young. He's still beautiful. Are you listening to him today? I love it. So, uh, so Larry and I had worked together. He was a, a senior executive with the Department of Housing and Urban Development in Washington. I was doing the very similar sort of thing for the governor of Texas. We had worked together uh, early in our career, gotten to become good pals. Uh, we had gone different ways in the years since. And by the time the mid-90s had come around, um, we were both in about the same piece of geography, just outside New York City and New Jersey. Larry had put together a company. And what was he doing? He was essentially putting together business improvement districts. Larry literally wrote the book. And by the way, he also wrote the Irish bid legislation, Small World. In fact, it's amazing as a, as a, as a, as a qualified town planner, which I did uh, thanks to my American GI Bill after Vietnam, um, as a qualified town planner in the United States and then later here in Ireland. In fact, I'm proud to tell you that my friends in the Irish Planning Institute will get a good laugh. I am the very first out non-Irishman that was admitted to the Irish Planning Institute and they had to change the Constitution to do it. <laughs> A trailblazer in every sense of the word, may I say. 
bids. We've heard of this before. Um, in essence, in 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 a can you can you context it in a nutshell? What Absolutely. does it do? Absolutely, it's local people solving local community problems. <clears throat> you know the frequent the frequent story that you'd hear, and you'd walk up and down West Street and draw it, and you'd say, "Well, why don't they do this? And why don't they do that?" Well, the reality is, there's no they out there. It's us. It's you and I. All of the people who have a stake in the town who need to get our shoulders to the wheel and fix the problems that we've got. Bids is a mechanism to do that. So it's a business improvement district set up under Irish law. Larry's work was later turned into a piece of legislation. By 2006, the the minister had issued the statutory authorization to get started. The first bid was in in Dublin and has done very, very well. Uh, And then later on, we've seen bids in other places, Sligo, Dunleary, Dundalk has had one now for several years, and and others are starting right behind us. In fact, the local bids team has been approached by Kildare to help them put together a bids initiative there. So we're seeing this bids uptake now beginning to, once once the good times have started again, there's a wee bit of money to be had in the country. We're seeing great bids uptake. What does it do? Very simply, it puts a small surcharge on the rate payers, the commercial rate payers, and allows that money to be set aside in a ring-fenced fund to be used by the management of a locally run corporation to do civic, public, and infrastructure improvements in the town. This has been tried and and mooted a few years back, as you know. The, the one you're involved in now is probably, what, the third incarnation for Drogheda. Why hasn't it happened, and will it happen this time? I, the answer is yes, and I was involved in incarnations one and two. Um, and the reason that they didn't happen the first time and the second time is that there wasn't enough community support behind it. And I think two things have made that made a huge difference since then. You'll remember a few years ago that we, we, we worked with RTE to put on the local heroes initiative. And that put Drahada, if you will, on the, on the map, on the, on the big screen for the country. Uh, people had a chance to see Drahada and maybe remember that this used to be the capital of Ireland at one time. And, Wonderful people have come here. I'm, I'm, I stand in awe of some of the people that the draw has produced. T.K. Whitaker comes immediately to mind. And so we, the first time and the second time, not enough support, but the, the, the Local Heroes Initiative made the difference. And now the flaw and it's been we have we have we have enormously profited from the goodwill and the can-do spirit of the flaw organizers you can walk the streets today and see all the the good news and listen to the wonderful music that we heard just a few minutes ago and a lot more but people now are really beginning to believe yes we can we're like the little engine that could and so now we finally got enough headway so that we're going to do it we've managed to with the council's solidly on board i have to say i absolutely love what our local council have done to row in behind us. Uh, I could I could name every one of them, but they're all in behind it, and I'm I'm delighted for that. We've had very good support with the chamber, great support with the uh, Draw to City initiative, and that's the right thing to do. So we're working on this together, and I think it's going to be the right outcome for Draw to. I want to take a short break. Uh, he's a wonderful man. John M. Shanahan is with me on late lunch this afternoon, and when we come back, I'm going to get him to tell the story of his grandfather's departure from Ireland to America. I promise you, you'll enjoy it. Stay with us on Late Lunch. John Shanahan's with me on Late Lunch this afternoon. Let's go right back. And you are, as I said, first-generation Irish-American. Your grandfather, tell the story of his going to America. What year was it? 1891. 
Young Tim Shanahan was 11 years of age at that point. He was the, I think, the second, third son of the family. And for reasons we don't know, my great-grandmother uh, took the young lad down to Cove. Now, we were, the family was living, living in the south of County Limerick, just above, uh, just above Cork. And she took him down to Cove and put him on the, uh, the steamer, the city of Chicago, which made a regular run from Liverpool to Cove to New York. Now, this, the, the ship took off on the, uh, in, in August of 1891, so it would have landed a few weeks later. There was no Ellis Island at the time for him to go through, so the ship docked in Brooklyn. And he was picked up by my great aunt, my, my grandmother's, my great grandmother's sister, um, and went to live with them. And from that point, uh, as a first generation Irish immigrant, uh, we began, the family began the typical immigrant story in the, in New York. Uh, tough years, a lot to be, to be, I mean, my, I remember growing up, we knew what bean sandwiches were around our household. And, uh, uh, but, you know, I'm the, my generation's the first to get on with university degrees. All of my cousins now have them. Uh, my grand, my father got a two year technical degree from what is now a four year school, but he went on to become a, a sea captain. And, uh, uh, so, uh, the family has done well. Thanks be to God, an opportunity in the United States. And so here I am back in Ireland. Your grandfather was 11, you said, when, yes. he, when he was put on that ship on his own? On his own. And made that journey all, all those by weeks. Himself. No internet, no uh, no email, uh, no telephones. All just just two weeks across the ocean, all by himself. That'd be like putting a child in a rocket and sending them t- to the moon today. Absolutely, or maybe even Mars. When yeah. you, when you, when you think about it, yeah. I had the pleasure of being in Ellis Island one day, and it, I have to say, one of the most touching experiences of my whole life. And yeah. your grandfather arrived before. Ellis Island Six months. If, the, if you've been down to Cove, you've seen the statue of Annie Moore, who was 14. Mm. Annie Moore left in January to make that same journey. Uh, Ellis Island had just opened, and she was the first through the gates. Um, but he'd been there six, five, about five months at that point. A remarkable time. Remarkable. Remarkable. And what people they were and what times they lived in. And look at, look at where we are today. Thanks to them and what they did and the sacrifices they made and the leaving and everything besides. You've done well. You, I mentioned you, you were in the Army and the Navy, should I Navy. say? You were in the, bigger part. You were in the Navy. You've also served in the Coast Guard for a long number of years and the, the Pearl Harbor Project you mentioned there, the bids in uh, Brownsville in Texas, mm-hmm. in New York City, handling big budgets, major, major contracts as well. I laugh. I'm happy to tell you that my, my projects were bigger than Mr. Trump's. <laughs> <laughs> now, you jumped me there for a moment. I'm going to come to that, Flynn, one second. I couldn't have you in here and not. But look at when you compare, or can you, when you look at the situation in Ireland or Ireland and vis-a-vis, you know, your lifetime experience in the States, how, how are we? How, how is this place? Well, this is a place of opportunity. Uh, it's a it's it's a place of an enormous amount of history, uh, an enormous amount of culture. And I have to tell you, one of the things the bid team is keen to do, and I'll make this quick plug: Heritage Week in Ireland begins next week. Okay, 
Now, there is a World Heritage Organization that recognizes very historic cities. Not a single city on this island is one of them. And we have resolved that one of the first things we're going to do is to get Drogheda recognized as a world-class heritage city as soon as we get organized by the first of this year. Now, that's going to mean serious long-term tourism opportunities here in Drogheda that will go far and be above and beyond anything that the flaw will generate in a period of just a week or so. And those are the kinds of things that we want to do. But why here? Why why Shanahan and Drogheda? It's simple. Wonderful people, wonderful place, wonderful location, all the right ingredients, um, the ability to do good things in the community, and to take some of the things that I've learned in other places in the world and put them to work here. It's an obligation we all have to use the tools that your talents and the good Lord have given you, and here I am to do that. Trump. <laughs> See? He laughs. Does that say it all? Yeah. It's a, it is a, it's a matter of sincere regret um, on my part and the part of many Americans that our American president behaves so badly uh, and represents us so poorly. Um, there is no, no excuse for it, and I'm certainly not here to, to excuse him or the, his conduct, but I have to say that uh, I have taken the oath to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States, to ensure that the values of the United States, one nation under God, uh, indivisible with liberty and justice for all, and I emphasize liberty and justice for all. Um, I know what 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 uh, you know. Those are the those are the values that that make up not just my life but the life of millions of other Americans. Trump talks about a wall. You know, I've I lived and worked on the place where he wants to put that wall in Brownsville, Texas. Um, I would go from my office in Brownsville across the border to Matamoros for lunch, to to visit with friends, to work cooperatively with city officials on the other side. We know what it's like to live and work together as friends and neighbors. That's the nature of life along the border of Texas. And just as we have an open border here in Ireland, very much, very interesting analogy. We, we go back and forth across the border. We trade. We visit family here on both sides of the border. That's the, that's the lifestyle along the Texas-Mexico border. And that's the way it should be. Unfortunately, we have a president in the United States that never bothered to learn those things. But here's the thing. The campaign has started already for the next election. And his hat's in the ring. And it's not looking like the other side are focusing on a candidate that can displace him. He was elected democratically. He may be re-elected, John. He may be. Um, It is certainly my hope, and I would say the hope of millions of others, that uh, the opposition... Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Party, the Democratic Party, will be able to coalesce uh, over the coming uh, fall and winter uh, around a candidate 
uh, that it can support for president and for vice president, and then go into the convention next summer ready to support that candidate with a thorough and effective platform uh, to, to be able to uh, to defeat the kind of, uh, frankly, repugnant racism that that comes out of, uh, of the current uh, the current president. I have no patience for it. It wasn't raised that way. Uh, I was raised in a uh, largely Irish neighborhood, but a, a mixed community where there were uh, black people and people from other ethnic uh, uh, backgrounds and certainly lived and worked with people of Hispanic backgrounds for, for years, many years. We we need to reach out and embrace the goodness of other people and try to continue to apply in every day the lot the the kinds of things that we see that others can bring to our to our venture to our to things we do. That's where broader people understand that. That's one of the things that's exciting about being here. We're going to finish in, in a few moments, but before we do, and I, I want to put this to you because it, it always um, upsets me when 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 I hear of them. The guns mm. and the shootings. And they just seem to happen and happen. And I've talked about it recently on the show here with the latest couple of horrific events. You're a military man. You know the consequences. What would you do? Would you... Come on, John. This is not <laughs> rocket science. No, it's not. I'm, and here's my I have a very simple answer to this. Back when I was a young man, uh, I was handed over to the Marine Corps to be qualified in weapons. And so I've qualified on a variety of them, including uh, a weapon that's now obsolete for military use. Uh, it's the uh, uh, the Thompson 45 caliber submachine gun. All right. So that's a weapon of mass destruction. Very simply, you pull the trigger and it just keeps firing. Uh, the semi-automatic weapons, which means you pull the trigger once and the gun, gun goes off, that we're seeing today and have been used in every one, every one of the 22, I believe, or 23 large mass killings in the United States. Uh, those, those are not guns that should be in any, any civilian's hands. Um, I have no, no, no reasons to object to somebody who wants a, uh, a shotgun to go shoot birds or a long gun, a rifle uh, for hunting, properly licensed, properly certified. If we can license drivers, if we can register cars, we can do all of those things for guns. But for the love of God and for the love of our children, let's get the military-style assault weapons out of people's hands immediately. Well said, sir. And needed saying as well. And you're talking from your experience and being a, a son of the United States as well. Look, it's been great to meet you. Thank and you. Uh, thank you for telling that lovely story <laughs> earlier on about Olive and yourself. I, I'll remember it for for a long, well, long she's time. She's a lovely woman and yeah. made, made, it, made it possible for me to be here. <laughs> ah, look, it's great you've dropped in to say hello to us today. And... Uh, Please, God, we will meet again. It's Thank nice you. to meet you for the first time. You, and I wish you well uh, in your new home the, and all that's going on. Great, great people here in Drawd, and I know they'll get behind the bid and support it. John Shanahan, thank you. Thank you, sir. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Heat waves aren't guaranteed this summer, but at Blackstone Motors, we can always guarantee hot offers. Get an affordable 192 Dacia with low AP or zero deposit and a personalised finance package today at Blackstone Motors. Question. Would you know what to do if your dog suddenly went into cardiac arrest? I certainly wouldn't have a clue. But my next guest does. Carol Mansfield rehomes, teaches, trains and loves her four-legged friends and teaches owners canine CPR. 
Well, this is new on me. You are very welcome to the show. Thank you. It's lovely to be here, Joe. It's great to have you with us. And you've brought a canine friend and <laughs> Helena Mullins is standing by with us as well. Are you all right there? Yeah. I'm great. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know what you were going to get me to do today. I, I've sprung yeah. this on you. I have, and I'm sorry. But I was ready for a Facebook Live for you to do this. I knew it was coming, but I didn't think I'd be doing it. So. Now, Helena, Helena, oh. just you relax there for a minute. We'll get to this in just a moment. And thank you. I thank you. She's very willing. Honestly, she's just down here and she could have just walked out that door and said, I am in my... <laughs> Carol, come yes. on. I never heard of this. Um, the course has been going about 10 years now. About 15,000 people around the world have been taught to do it. It's not just taught in Ireland. It's taught in the UK. Um, it's in Australia. It's everywhere now. Uh, it's a very well-recognised course. It's written by the guys who do the human first aid. So the protocols are the same. So for anyone who's done human first aid, a lot of it will actually be very recognisable. Yeah, it'll resonate with you if, exactly. you, if you've done that. Exactly. And funny, we've been talking about the human one for a while and I'm actually going to uh, undertake a refresher course. I've, I've done it many Which years ago. Which is very, very important. Absolutely. Are dogs prone to cardiac arrest? Um, they oh. are as much as anybody else. I mean, they get into accidents, they have health issues. Um, a lot of the people that come on the courses are dog owners who have maybe a dog that has a health issue. Um, because remember on the courses, it's not just CPR that we're dealing with. It's all aspects of first aid and okay. preserving life. So um, to be fair, probably on the courses, the things people would use the most would be choking because dogs do like to choke. For some, it's nearly a hobby. Yes. So that would be one of the major things. Um, but we have had people who have had to do this. We get a lot of dog groomers who do this. And in their work, they would deal with an awful lot of dogs on the table, maybe like cavaliers and different things that would have health issues. So they feel more comfortable dealing with them if they know how to deal with them if something goes wrong. Okay. Just on the choking with a pet, if mm-hmm. something does get locked, what, in, a, in a few words, what should you do if, if, if you find that your pet is choking? Okay, the first thing you would do if your dog was choking was you would observe it. Dogs are not like people. When people start to choke, they leg out the room yeah. and die in the corridor Yeah, because we get embarrassed. Dogs are not the same. They will try and clear their own airway. So you watch them for a few seconds. If it looks like that's not coming up, the first thing you do would be to look in their mouth and see if you can see the obstruction, see if you can actually get it out. Okay. If not, what you do then depends on the size of the dog. Mm. If it's a very small dog, you would lay it on your forearm and let gravity help you and just do little thrusts just under the rib cage, the same as you would do... The With a human, yes. Human. Just under, yeah. Five little thrusts and then check the mouth to see if you've moved that object and continue doing that. If it's a medium-sized dog, say the same as Casper is here, say as the size of your cavalier, you would sit on the floor... Bring the dog in between your legs with its bum in between your legs. You would put this little pointy part of your thumb under the rib cage. One, two, three, four, five. Check the mouth. One, two, three, four, five. It's very, very good at removing objects. It would displace it. Yeah. Out it would come. Yep, it will. Like do. that. Exactly the same as in humans. But obviously with dogs being different sizes, there has to be different techniques to do it. Okay. So that's that's very good pointer there. Two ways uh, to, to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Now, you brought Casper with you, I and this did. is a model dog. Helena, how would you describe him? He's a, he's a medium size, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely he would a medium, medium sized dude. Yeah, he really is. He looks like a small Labrador. Yeah. A medium sized Labrador. Yeah, yeah, and, 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 and small as well. So, right, this is your model that you train people with. Yes. So, 
explain. What, you're going to okay. do this with Helena now. What, okay. has, what is Helena going to do with you here? Okay. And, and I'll, I'll describe what's happening. Okay, yeah, stand up. Yeah, stand up there. Yeah, there's no problem. Okay. The first thing that we need... Let's bring that mic to you there. Oh, okay, don't little there, we we can hear. there you are. Okay, now you can talk the to that. The first thing that we need to do is we need to make sure before we do anything with any animals that we are safe. Because at the end of the day, you cannot help a casualty if you're going to risk your own safety. So you need to make sure the area is... You need to make sure the area is safe. Yes. And when you've done that, the next thing you do is to, you need to muzzle the dog. So muzzle your dog. Now, you have just a, a, a bit of muslin or whatever there. I do. The reality of in life, the reality of in life is um, when you are dealing with a casualty, you probably don't have a pocket full of muzzles. You could be up a mountain somewhere. You could be doing this in an area. You're going to have to use your imagination at what you can use. And it may be that you can't muzzle a dog because you don't have anything available. Pair of tights. You do, pair of tights, tied, anything you can do. Your lead as well, maybe. Exactly. But it's most important that you do because at the end of the day, the only dangerous part in a dog is the bitey end. The mouth. And even if the dog knows you... um, If he's in pain or something, yes. You never know. You could be risking a bite. So the first thing we do is we muzzle our dog. So we tie off at the top. Okay. Tie off at the bottom. So you're just putting that uh, and round the chin. I see and that. Then behind so, the head. Yeah. Okay. So two ties round the mouth, under yeah. the chin, and round the back of the head. And that dog now will not open its mouth to bite no. you. It has to be tight enough the dog can still breathe oh, yes. and pant, but not so loose that it can bite okay. you. Okay. 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 That done. That's so step one. Sometimes it's very obvious a dog has an airway. It's trying to bite you or running around. That's obvious. We don't know with this lad. He's very quiet. So we have to check to see if he's breathing. The first thing we need to do is just stroke his legs, the same as in human first aid, and just talk to him and see if there's any reaction. There's no reaction, so we don't know what's going on. So we need to look a little bit further. So what we need to do, align his head with his body, not overstretching it or understretching it, pull out his tongue. So that's very important to take the tongue out. Pull the tongue out. Then use the back of your hand to check about against the nostrils just to see if you can feel any breathing. Then you put your ear down to his ear. So I'm looking down his body with my hand on his chest for no more than 10 seconds. So I'm looking to see if he's breathing. Yes. I'm looking to see if I can feel him breathing. Then I put my hand into his groin and check for a pulse. A dog has a pulse on both sides inside the back leg where the hips join the body. So when you get home, have a practice on your own. I will. Find it. And see if you can find that I'll do that, that this evening. Just between the back legs. Just between the back legs under there, you'll find there's a pulse. Okay. Okay? So this dog is not breathing, so we are going to need to do CPR. Mm. We start with two rescue breaths. So remember, we're blowing up the nose of the dog. No, hold on. That's very important. Mm-hmm. Unlike human, where it's mouth nope. to mouth, with a dog, you must send the air in through the nostrils. Yes, it would be very hard to blow into a dog's mouth if you think about the Yeah, 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 I see that. So yeah. we have to blow up the nose. So two rescue breaths. And the dog, do you see that, Helena? The dog's uh, uh, rising and falling. Do you see, do you see the rib cage and, and, the, and yeah, the dog so rising? Blow in. You have to take your mouth away so the air comes out. You have to take your mouth away so the air comes out. So two of those. And then we start compressions. So the compression point is just behind the elbow. Then we lock That's the, the front leg, just behind yep. the front leg. And the it dog is lying on its side on the ground here. It needs to be on its right-hand side. Think about where the heart is placed. Yes. To the centre to the left. So yeah. right-hand side. Lying flat on its right-hand side. Palm the hand behind the elbow. Link your fingers. You would have your knees right close to the dog's back because remember he'd be on the floor, on the ground. And then 15 
sharp compressions. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 12, 13, 14, 15. Then two more rescue breaths, 15 more compressions. Then you would look, listen and feel again to see whether he started breathing. Yes. And you would continue to do that. For how long? Good question. Until someone can take over from you, till you get to the vets, till the dog revives, or you're just too tired to continue. So you, so you just... literally keep going forever. It's not CPR isn't about <coughs> getting dogs to revive. There's only a tiny proportion, even with humans, that a person will revive after doing CPR. It's about keeping oxygenated blood circulating around the body and protecting those vital organs. That's our job. If the dog revives, happy days, but never expect it. So you just keep going until you're too tired. If the owner is with you, it's not your dog, the owner is with you and you need a break, what you can do is keep doing continuous compressions with no rescue breaths. Some people are unhappy about doing rescue breaths, but literally by doing continuous compressions, it still does an awful lot of good. If I press on Casper, see how much air goes in anyway, even without me breathing. Yes. So all of these things are great things, so you can have a go. Come on, Helena, give it a go. <laughs> give it a go, Helena, for us. And give it, him a kiss. Yeah. <laughs> She's not kissing me. It's Casper, <laughs> just in case you get... So do I have to remember all the steps that you I took? I will help I'll, you. I'm okay, so, so what, obviously to take off we muzzle. take the muzzle. Okay, so okay. What, what I remember is, that part. I remember. What is the first thing that you need to do before you do anything? Before I do anything, um, check to see if he's breathing. Make sure the scene is safe. Oh, make sure the scene is safe. Make sure you're safe before yes. you do yeah. anything else. And he's lying on his right hand side yes. as well. Now, the first thing you're going to do is muzzle him to make sure that you are nice and safe. So tying off at the top above his nose. And not here. Yep, not there. Okay, above and his then nose. Under his chin. Another knot yes. or just. Another knot, it's fine. You're doing great, Helena. Fabulous. Well, this, uh, you would have done a great job at this here, no, Terry, no, no, as well. You know, like, no, no, I could have done a Facebook Live for you there. <laughs> and you just tie it at the back of his head yeah, as well. Back of the head. So the next thing you're going to do is just check and see if there's any response. So you're just going to stroke his legs. Stroke, yeah. yeah. Stroke no, down his legs, you know, nothing. to make sure that he's comfortable. Because yeah. he may look at you. He may just be very, very quiet. You need to know whether or not he's conscious. Or I'm actually consciously doing this as if it's my own dog at home <laughs> because it's actually a great thing to know how to do it if is. it ever happens. It is. So, so you'd check tongue his, out, pull out his tongue, pull out his give tongue. it a good yank. It's quite stiff. Now that that that'll be comfortable for the dog, no, as in well, his own. A right. real dog, it wouldn't be like that. No. So That's how what, if he was, you know, what would you do with your own dog? You, it would you would find it much easier to pull that tongue out. It's just because yeah. he's a mannequin, he's a bit stiff. Okay. Okay. So then I check to see. Okay. If I can use hear the back his... of your hand on his nostrils to see if you can feel any breath. Okay. Yeah. Not not Nothing. looking good now for him. Okay. So you're going to put your right ear down to his ear. So your right ear down to his ear. Yeah. Your hand on his chest, and you're going to look down his chest to see if you can see him breathing or feel him breathing. Okay. For no more than ten seconds, then you're just going to slide your hand into his groin and see if you can check for a pulse. Nothing. It's not looking good with this man. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> oh dear. Nothing happened. No. We need to do this something quick. This is like quick. the Specsavers ad. You know what the, with the furry hat, there's and nothing you know, happening. The most the, the most unusual thing is it's through the nose. So that's, I actually feel a bit better than that because I was afraid to be doing mate to mate to a dog, to be honest. So, the nostrils sound a bit more enticing. What do you think of that, Jerry? <laughs> really? That's unusual. I can see why you took me down here to do this. Well, well, well I actually, I, I have to say, I saw something Carol put in... <laughs> the dog's backside there and that's why I, I decided to give you a call <laughs> we must get a photo of this mannequin no television. so get a good seal around his mouth and blow up his nose see if you can get any air in them lungs oh my god excellent. you can excellent, excellent. go, go on. again 
Another yeah, another one. one. So two, 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 breaths. two pulses, and, yeah. and and just steady breaths, Carol. Nice you? steady breaths. At the end of the day, dogs come in lots of different sizes. Animals come in lots of different sizes. So use your common sense. If it's a tiny puppy, it would be a gentle puppy. Gentle, yes. Okay, if depending it's a on the size Bernard, of the dog. Yes, know, yes, yes. Give it loads. Yeah. Give it loads. No. So then you do the compressions yep. right so, behind their front paw. Yep, just behind the elbow there. So lock your fingers. Okay, and lock, kind of like you were elbows. doing in proper CP on a, yes. on a person. Exactly it's not, it's not in proper bed. It's proper if you want to do it in your exactly own dog the same. as well. Fifteen nice compressions. One. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Okay, so you're going to go again. I think you should. Do oh, it again. again. No, I think you should oh, two more two breaths. breaths. Okay. And you hold you're not getting away that lightly. Okay. Woman. So you do them in rounds of two, and then you would check to see if the dog had started breathing. Okay, another and then fifteen. Another there. fifteen. Oh. One, two, three. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Roll, 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 roll. <laughs> sit down, sit down. So now, look, listen, and feel. You're not finished yet, okay? So, so put your hand into his groin and see if you can find a pulse. Can oh, you see now, yay! <laughs> That's what that thing is for. <laughs> So we'll take a photo of that anyway. So <laughs> what that implement there is just recreating the artificial yes, pulse. So it's good to feel. You can feel, feel that pulse there. Yeah, okay. and it's the back of the hind leg, just when you grip your hand round. Yes, and you can really feel that you there can now really as Carol feel it. makes the the blood pump. So I look forward to actually trying this out on my own dog. I have a Rhodesian Ridgeback, kind of like the same shape as a as a lovely lab, and yeah. it, it, it's uh, it's something that God I can't bear thinking of if he had like a cardiac arrest or something. But I definitely feel a bit more equipped now with CPR. Uh, just in those even few minutes to see, and me to sit here and observe it as well. I'd know what to do, just having gone through the process there. It would take a bit out of you, you know, to keep those 15s going is, on, a, on a big tiring. dog, wouldn't it? It's important. The thing is, when you are doing this, if the owner is there, use them. Get them to do compression so you can get a walk around, stretch and continue on. If they're yeah. getting a little audience... Get them all to do something, you know. It's making use of what's around you. Yes, yes. Really interesting, interesting. Let's take a short break. Thank you so much, Helena. I really appreciate well, thanks it. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> you never know what you can ask to do anytime, here in studio. Anytime, <laughs> We're going to talk more to Carol Mansfield after the short break. Okay. Carol Mansfield has just been teaching our Helena how to do CPR on a dog. Now, you do lots more besides your business. is Lily's Four Paws. That's the number four, P-A-W-S. I, I'm curious about this dog behaviour and aggressive mm-hmm. behaviour in dogs or a dog that might bite somebody. Mm-hmm. It's not the end of the road for that animal, really. Once a dog bites, there's no way back. I think the thing we have to remember when it comes to aggression in dogs, I don't know whether you have cats. No. Or have it. I have dogs. Okay, so, like myself. The thing about cats is cats will bite us and scratch us and we accept that as cat behaviour. Cats can be like that. You don't take your cat to the vet when it's scratched you or bitten you because we expect it to kind of happen. When a dog puts its teeth on somebody, it now has a bite history and it has a real good chance of being put to sleep. Nobody cares why it bit anybody, which is the most important thing, just that it's bitten somebody. So those dogs can find themselves into an awful lot of trouble. And you believe that they're prompted for a a reason to do this. A a dog will react, it's something that's spontaneous and they feel they're under threat or something. Without a shadow of a doubt. And can you uh, turn an animal like that round to say definitely in the future they won't do it again or can you ever say that? 
I don't think you can ever say that. I think every dog, however nice it is, there is a possibility that it will bite somebody if it is provoked enough. And that's very important to remember, especially around children. Completely. I have a fellow, I have a black Labrador as well, and I have Mm -hmm. a granddaughter, and she loves him. And I was watching her with him last night. God, he's so placid with her and everything. But I'd never take my eyes off him. No, and you're completely right too. Children should never be left around dogs unsupervised. Mm. And that's the reality of it. Because they can't read their body language, they don't understand what's going on. If your dog isn't feeling very well, if your dog is tired, if it's old, um, there may be reasons that it may snap. So we always need to be very careful. But you have, and I know you have many years' experience, of taking dogs that would be regarded possibly at the Mm -hmm. end of the road that people would say the easiest thing to do is put them asleep. Yes. And you've rehabilitated those animals. We do. Um, At the end of the day, the dogs that come to us now... Uh, as opposed to when we first started our rescue um, eight or nine years ago, the dogs that come to us now are dogs that are on their last chance, are going to be put to sleep. So what we basically do is when people, um, often owners will surrender their dogs into us and they will ask what the first thing is that we do. And the first thing that we do is nothing. We let the dogs just be themselves and get a chance to settle. Because at the end of the day, even if you've had a bad relationship with your dog, your dog still loves you. Your home is still their home. By handing them into any rescue, they are going to be devastated. So they need time to settle and calm down. And then we will go through basic training. But one of the most important things we will do is we would muzzle train them. So even when we've rehomed them, the owners, when they're walking them out on the street, if there's a possibility somebody's going to run up behind them and touch them, nothing bad can happen. But the dogs, how long they're with us could be two months, could be two years. There's no time limit on it. You rehome and you've rehomed hundreds of animals as yeah, well. Yeah, about 700 so far through our house. We like to think in Ireland, you know, we love our four-legged friends and that. <laughs> but an awful lot of animals are fired out on the street. People mm. don't want them strayed, given back into places like yourself. Mm-hmm. Is there ever a solution to this? You know, and then, of course, we have the puppy farm issue as well, which is a, oh, sure, that's a, whole, a whole other, other show. We'll that for another day. Let's not go there. But, but to be fair, all these things are linked. Um, people will spend money on buying a dog, maybe three or four hundred euro on a dog. Um, and often, more often than not, that dog's come from quite a dubious situation. That is going to have an effect on its ability to settle into your home. The reality of it is dogs are social animals. They should be born in a home and raised in a home because in a home is where they're going to live their lives. If they're living in a situation where they are not exposed to things that we're going to be around humans, you're going to have problems. And that is the reality of it. Even though in Ireland it would have been a thing of old that the dog had its place outside in the run or outside the house. You totally disagree with that. Well, yes. Oh, naturally you would. I have to say, my my regular vet, Sinead Kelly, she comes here each Mm. month to me and we get loads of questions for her naturally, about all animals, but in particular. But she's a real advocate of that as well. I think at the end of the day, um, if you... Yes, it is a cultural thing, you know, and something that I struggled with is obviously, I'm English, that I struggled with... Um, and if your dog is living outside, you will always struggle to have the, a good relationship with it. It's never going to be as intense a relationship as if it lives in your house. And training um, is always going to be harder if the dog is outside. That's the reality of it. My granddaughter, Ava. Messi is Arfla's name. M-E-S-S-I, by the way. Oh, lovely. <laughs> the footballer. <laughs> she just loves him and he loves her. And she's grown up with him, really. Uh, and she, bring, she loves to have him with her inside. 
You know, she's made yes. him even more a house dog, perhaps, than he ever was. Mm. You know, and I can see with time how the, he becomes just so comfortable. I think people are uncomfortable bringing their dogs inside because of the way they behave. People spend money on their dogs when they buy them, but they don't seem to feel as comfortable to spend money on getting help training them. We spend 20 mm. years training our children, but just expect our dogs to know how to behave. And then when it all goes wrong, um, they're either surrendered into rescue, they go into the pound, or if I'm lucky, they ring me and we try and help them. Question for you by oh, WhatsApp okay. today. Hi, Jerry. Can you ask Carol, what about a, is it a snub-nosed dog breed? It can't be muzzled. Uh, brachycephalic dogs, mm. uh, flat-nosed dogs. Flat-nosed, yeah. yes. No, if yeah. you're doing CPR on a dog that has any kind of breathing issues, that's true, you can't muzzle them. There are actually muzzles for that kind of dog. But in this situation, you couldn't muzzle them. But what you could do is you could take off your jumper, roll it into a sausage, pop that around the dog's neck and just kneel on it with your knee. It's not going to stop the dog biting you, but you will feel movement and also, if it's not too tight, it's not going to affect the throat or the breathing of the dog. It is a difficult problem because now we have so many dogs like this. And when dogs um, are upset then and they're flat-faced dogs, they're going to have even more problems breathing. So it is a very valid question, a very valid problem. Thank you for that. Time will beat us again. Dog yoga. Come on, you're, having, yoga. <laughs> you're having me on, Carol. You're having me on. It's a real thing. Um, Dog yoga was invented by a, a, a behaviourist in the UK called Joe Rosie Heaventon. She's done a few things on the television that people may have seen. They may know her name. Um, it sounds a bit bonkers. And when people think of dog yoga, they've seen videos on Facebook with people doing yoga with their dogs. This is yoga for dogs. It's really, I suppose, a clever way of training dogs to be calm and relaxed and improving their health physically and mentally, and their behaviour around other dogs. You'd be surprised at how many dogs don't know how to behave around their own species. And you teach this? Mm-hmm. There was a fellow that used to talk to the animals. What was his name? Dr Doolittle. No, I'm not that. No. <laughs> but you have a very close affinity. I do I know. Hope so. you do. I hope so. You I'm do. very lucky to work in a profession uh, yeah. I love. You're a wonderful person, and you, and you do a great job in all you do. We've only got a flavour for you today. I'll see you soon. Listen, have to leave it there. Lily's the number four, L-I-L-Y-S, the number four, P-A-W-S. Yes. All the information there. Yes. If they want to contact Indeed. you. Find out You're more. You're most welcome. Thanks for teaching Helena today. <laughs> Thank you for really inviting appreciate me on. You. See you soon. It. Carol Thank Mansfield. You. Thank you. Bye-bye. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Whatever the temperature, it's zero at Blackstone Motors. That's zero deposit on all 192 Renault models until August 31st. Get exclusive savings and a personalised finance package today at Blackstone Motors. Drogheda Chamber are accepting applications for the Business Excellence Awards 2019 for across the Northeast region. There are 21 categories to choose from. So whether you're a family business, startup, SME, best not-for-profit, best pub, we have a category. They're telling you they have a category for you this year. 21 categories. How do you enter? You just go on to drogheda.chamber.ie and you download and complete the application form and the best of luck to you with that one drawhadachamber.ie uh, Norrie's been on to say oh Jerry, what a great interview with Commander Shanahan really enjoyable listening to John wasn't he just fantastic he really was all oh, the guests I'm telling you 
he's just something else. John will be back, I promise you, on, on Late Lunch. Really enjoyed his uh, company today on the show. Let me remind you what's happening on the fla this evening. Uh, Earth, uh, the Furies are there at 8 o'clock. The Barbican, the late gig in the Barbican tonight, not to be missed. Hothouse Flowers are there this evening. There's Kaylee set dancing in McHugh's pub. And don't forget the gig rig. I mention it every day in Bolton Square. It's free. Music Generation, the McCarthy Murphy School of Dance, John Fennell's family and friends and lots more from six to late. You'd be more than welcome in Bolton Square to enjoy the evening. Let's hope those rain clouds stay away for everybody. Have to say a big hello. I meant to do it yesterday. Carol Lane. Hello, Carol. I want to say hello to you, especially today. She listens to Late Lunch every day. And our Louise met her. You met her, didn't you, Louise? Yeah, you were talking to Caroline. Was it you that was talking to her? Somebody put Caroline into my head. Yeah. yeah, I met her the other day in Navin and she said, oh, she said, I listen to Jerry Kelly every day. Do you work with him? I said, I do. <laughs> oh, I listen to him all day if I could. Well, well I take it she's, she's, she's there today, she's Carol. Doing, uh, she's volunteering all week at the Fla, Jerry, with Gary Kelly Centre great stuff. So she's with the Kelly Centre at the FLA this week. Um, the other thing I wanted to say, wasn't it, Louise, uh, our, our previous guest just before three there, just fantastic with us. Really, I, I, I'll tell you. She's amazing. Amazing, amazing. With, amazing it is. You know what I mean? Dogs. Oh, look, she loves her four-legged friends. She, she really does. Uh, but we got another question for her. How do you know if a dog is having a heart attack or possibly it could be a fit? Well, just before Carol left, she told us would you know yourself how would you know if a dog is fitting or it's having a heart attack I wouldn't know stop breathing no completely yeah that's the thing she said if a dog is at fit it will continue to breathe and there will be a pulse in a heart attack situation there is no breath there is no pulse Simple as. And that's the difference. Thank you indeed for that question. But uh, just to tell you that Helena was great. And what we're mm, doing she is... She loves her dogs. You're going to be able to see Helena uh, doing the CPR on the dog with Carol. It'll be up on social media very soon indeed. And you'll be able to check it out there for yourself. I met Colette Boylan last night. Oh, Louise, what a night met last a load night. last night. I met so many people. I really did. And I had a great night. First night out for the FLA. And uh, I met Colette Boylan. I want to say hello to her today. And husband Niall. We know Niall well. He did lose weight and feel great. Rosie's was fantastic here on Late Lunch. And Colette wanted to, me to say a big hello today to her dad, Tommy Bulger. Hello, Tommy. Good afternoon to you. And I have an old song for you, Colette, coming up very shortly mm-hmm. on the show. I won't tell you what it is, but I think you'll like it. I promise you, you'll like it. Can I just say very quickly, Jerry, as well, talking about the FLA, my own cousin, Michelle Powderly, or Michelle Sheridan is her married name, and she is due to play in Carberry's tonight. So I might just uh, go down there. Oh, do Louise and support her! What a place she's playing in—the home of traditional music and all types of music. Travelling up from Carlo in Drogheda for generations. Carberry's this evening should be great crack there. There's just so much going on, so much to do. You don't know what where uh, to go ah, first. Where do yeah. you turn? Yeah, where do you go to first? But lucky you'll find your own niche and enjoy it. I'm sure. Up next on the show, it's a problem for many people. We're going to talk to a local lady who has to get out of the house she's been renting. And she's really worried that she may have nowhere to go. Jane's on the line on late lunch this afternoon. Good afternoon, Jane. Hi, good afternoon. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for taking our call. You are quite happy where you're living in the Drogheda area at the moment. I am indeed, yes. You are living here how long? Well, I'm living in the Drogheda area. God, it must be about well over 10 years. Like, I'm originally from Dublin, but... It's well over 10 years anyway. Do you rent, do you mind me asking you, or did you own I it? Do, at yes. least? You rent, okay. I, so you yes. rent and you've been quite happy renting. 
But the situation has changed. Tell us what's on the horizon. So we actually don't know what is on the horizon. Um, Every day, you know, you wake up thinking there might be a new property. Basically, our landlord's coming back and he wants to live in the property with himself, uh, with his family, which is fair enough. It's his house, you know, fair enough. But um, where do we go from there? You know, he gave us our notice about two months ago or so and we're still looking, you know. When is the notice up? October. And there's yourself and uh, your partner. partner and you have a daughter. Yes, we do. What age is she? She's just three. And you've been looking. You've been looking. You, you're looking actively to get somewhere else in actively, the Drahad area like, to rent. Constantly. Like, it took us a year to get the property to this place that we're in now. A year. And um, we were under the illusion that it was going to be long term. And then things changed. And then I got a phone call there a few months ago saying, sorry, I'm coming back from mm. Canada. And um, we have to we have to leave basically. As I said, it's fair enough. This is his house. You know, he can live in it if he wants to. You know, I know, I know, I know. And 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 you have no issue then. You understand that. But here's yeah. the thing: you have been looking actively. Are there many people when you go to view a house? Do you get in there on your own, or have you no. met many others? You know, the issue is, and it's 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 quite threatening when you're going to view a property these days because you're not met with one or two people. You're met with crowds of people outside the house if they're going in one by one or if everybody's going in together. Um, I there was a there was a property we went to view not so long ago, and it was an open viewing, and. Um, you know, there was families going in, all kinds of everyone going in, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And uh, everything in the house, it was a, the house was a health hazard. Anything that was on a hinge was falling off in this house. There was graffiti on the walls. The the the, the mirrors were smashed upstairs. Uh, there was, it looked like damp or some sort of moss growing on the ceiling upstairs. Um, it, it was no no environment or no place for a child. Mm. And I overheard a little boy asking his mammy, Mammy, are we going to live in this house? And when I heard that, I just thought, how can anybody think it's okay to live in a property like Mm. this? And it just shows you the amount of people who are desperate to get somewhere, uh, to be actually in that house, even looking at it. And then obviously somebody did take it. You didn't. Do you feel, I I do know, you you are on the housing assistance uh, payment scheme. Do do, do you think, is is that a disadvantage? I actually, I think so, yes. Yeah, actually, I'll tell you another thing, right? There was a lovely two-bedded property in in close to where we live, mm. and uh, it was going for one thousand. And um, I rang and I said, "Wow!" I said, "Can we have a viewing of this place? We've got references, etc. Um, you know, we don't have any like you know, we're not bad people, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know. And um, I said, "Do you accept tap?" And he said straight away, "No." Cash only, cash up front, that's all I'm dealing with. And then he said to me that, um, he said to me, um, if I was going to accept half, I would have to increase the rent by 500 euro, which would be 1500. This is for an apartment. Wow. And I just, I was just like, wow, like, why would you increase the rent an extra 500 euro? Now, I understand there's taxes involved, Mm. but why would you increase? If 
that much. 1500 for an apartment. Firstly, I think it's ridiculous. And I don't, like, as I said, that's where HAP was a disadvantage to me. That's the type of landlord that gives a bad name to landlords. There are good people, you know, they're really good people and they look after them. But that type of person, that person wants cash in hand. They're not paying their taxes. They want to whop it up on you so then that they're still getting the same and they become legit or ever. I just have no time for anybody like that, to be honest. But here, I need to get to the nub of this. You need a place. This is the bottom line, don't you? And soon. Yeah, soon, yeah. Um, Well, basically, like, I was actually, I had a meeting with the council there today and they basically said, well, um, if you don't find a place within a certain amount of time, then you need to think about going to, like, Monaghan or Cavan or, like, you know, further in our... And my daughter is in play school and I really don't want to take her out. And I've got a job. I work locally in Drada. So if I go to Cavan, that means I'd have to travel all the way to Drada. And it just doesn't make sense. No. So that means if I lose that job, or like if I walk out of my job, then on social welfare, I'll be penalised because I'll be voluntarily walking out for nine weeks. Yeah, and the you know other thing, I mean? the other thing is... Here's the other thing. You face emergency accommodation. You could end up in emergency accommodation. That's what I'm so anxious about. Like, I do not want... Like, my, some people will say, oh, yes, go to emergency accommodation. Oh, it'll be grand. You'll be fine. Or, you know, you'll get a house quicker if you go to emergency accommodation. That is not the case at all. You'll be there for a long, long time. And after two weeks for a child, it no longer becomes a holiday. Do you know what I mean? Where's your privacy? Mm. You know? Oh. Where'd you put all your belongings? Oh, look, you know? the, the issues with it are just too, too upsetting to even contemplate. I'm talking to you today because I'm making an appeal. I want to make this appeal on your behalf, Jane. Is there anybody out there in the Drogheda or Greater Drogheda area can help this woman? She's a little three-year-old, settled in school. They're settled where they are. They have a great history. They can prove it to you. They are unhappy, but that's a guaranteed payment as well. Is there anybody can help this woman? If you can, give us a shout. 1850-715-958. That's the number. 1850-715-958. LMFM Radio. Or send us in a text 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp and we'll put you in touch. Look, let's see what it brings. I hope that this somebody hears this today that can help you and I really hope you're sorted out sooner rather than later. Jane, I'll talk to you again. Take care of yourself. Thanks a million, Jerry, for the Not at all. time to call. Thank you're you. very welcome. You're very welcome. She's one example. It's shocking. It really is shocking. Can you help? Can you help? Please. Can anybody help? Can anyone point us in the direction? If you can, please do. Pick up the phone. Anyway, that's it on Late Lunch for another day. I didn't mention one thing in the flat tonight. Nathan Carter's in town. He's in the Coca-Cola flat dome on Ratmullen Road at 8 o'clock. I'd say the tickets are chicken's teeth at this stage. Do you know who's, who's going? I'm sure Colette Boylan's going. I'm sure she is. Anyway, to get you in the mood, Colette, here he is, just for you, especially today. I promise you, didn't I? I promise you, I'm a man of reward. It's Mr. Nathan Carter and his most famous one ever. Get up, get dancing, get out, enjoy the flask. See you for late lunch tomorrow, half one. See my baby tonight So rock me 
sometimes string band My baby plays the guitar I pick the banjo now All the North Country winters Keep getting me down I lost my money playing poker So I had to believe But I ain't turning back To live that old life no more Blackstone Motors. The elegant, classy and agile Renault Megane Hot Hatch is fantastic with a chassis tuned for thrills. What are you waiting for? Drop in to Blackstone Motors and test drive a 192 Megane Hatch Sport Tourer or Grand Coupe Toda.